Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Happy President's Day. You may be off work or out of school today, and I'm so glad you've chosen to join us. We get to be a part of your day. We've got a great show in store. My first question for you today is how are you observing President's Day? And my second question is, have you gotten your tickets to the Here For You tour with me and my pal Carlos Whitaker? We're hitting 12 cities in June. We want your shining face to be among the ones we get to see while we're out there. Gather up your friends, plan that road trip if needed, decide who's bringing the snacks and who's making the playlist, and pop over to hereforyoutour.com and snag your tickets. Those pre-party and post-party, or the combo tickets, are the cherry on top. Y'all come hang with us Again, that's hereforyoutour.com, which we obviously put in the show notes for your convenience. And before we dive into today's conversation, I want to share about one of our amazing sponsors, BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can conquer the world, right? But sometimes life gets you bogged down. You may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can really help you get closer to the best version of yourself because when you're feeling centered and empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. And hi, life is throwing things at you. Me too. I'm super grateful for my counselor and the invaluable help she provided over the years that I've been seeing her. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient and flexible, affordable, entirely online. You just thought a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash That Sounds Fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash that sounds fun. And today on the show, I made a call to my dear friend, Sharon McMahon. You may remember Sharon from the That Sounds Fun Tour live show in Minneapolis back in 2021. If you missed that episode, be sure to go back and listen. She's a former high school government teacher, and she's known as America's government teacher, shedding light on the complex aspects of the U.S. government with a nonpartisan and truly clarifying approach. She's helped mobilize her amazing social media following and philanthropic initiatives that have raised more than $6 million for teachers and domestic violence survivors, terminally ill kids, medical debt forgiveness programs, Ukrainian refugees, just to name a few. She hosts an incredible podcast called Here's Where It Gets Interesting. I love it. She provides like entertaining and factual accounts of America's most fascinating moments and people. And so she is the perfect person to have on with us for President's Day. I just wanted to talk about governmenty things. So here's my conversation with America's favorite government teacher, Sharon McMahon. Sharon, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. Yay. Thank you for inviting me. This really sounds fun. What? Sounds like a fun way to spend my day. Thank you. What a pleasure that we get to do President's Day together. No better day. Uh, Is this one of your highest national holidays? Are the political <laughs> ones your highest favorites? <laughs> you, it's right up there with Christmas, That's let right. me tell you. the <laughs> gift, right. It's a <laughs> massive gift-giving opportunity. Everything's oh on gosh. sale. Yeah, everything's, everything's on sale. On sale. <laughs> so, so if you didn't Washers get it for Christmas. Washers and dryers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is sad. Okay. So let's even just start there. What is President's Day? Well, it's actually not a thing. Oh, right? good. Because there, there is no federal holiday of President's Day. 
There what? is we all the just federal holiday it? of Washington's birthday. <laughs> Uh, but we call it President's Day because there's a lot of presidents who were born in this general time range, you okay. know, Lincoln, Washington, etc. But technically, it's Washington's birthday, and that's what we're celebrating. Um, and of course, with a little Lincoln thrown in there. But yeah, it, for a while, we were do, se- for a while we celebrated them separately, mm-hmm. uh, and then they sort of rolled into like you know, two presidents in a couple weeks is too much. We'll just call it President's Day, and that's so that's colloquially what we call it but in reality it's washington's birthday wow okay and so we all just get a day off of work well not everybody does but a lot of people get that's the other funny thing is it hasn't it's become a thing where everyone was off and then not everyone's off now just federal that, yes, that's right. Well, I mean, it's kind of like um, people realize that because retailers realize that because, uh, you know, it's a bank holiday, federal holiday, yeah. everybody's off of work. Right. So it's a great day to go shopping for washers and dryers. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so everybody who works to sell washers and dryers, they are still actively right. at work no, on this very correct. day. What yes. should we be thinking about what should we be thinking about today? Is there anything worth pondering or do we not even need to care? Mm. You know, I think it's always worth pondering where we've come from. Mm-hmm. Always, right? Because where we've come from is important. And if we want to learn from it, we it's we have to think about it sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, Washington has a very, very important legacy in the United States. Yeah. He has a complicated legacy. He, of course, there's been a lot of renewed attention on the fact that he was, uh, he enslaved people and he, mm-hmm. one of his slaves that escaped, he hunted until the day she died. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sort of renewed attention on that aspect of his life. Yes, that is that is undeniably a part of who he was as a person and we can't cover that up and we can't pretend that isn't real. But we also can't pretend it's not real, that he had uh, a massive impact on the United States that continues to this day, that America would not be what it is without him. Yeah. So it's, it is not an either or, it is a both and. We can condemn the aspects of his presidency that we wish were not there, the things that we know are morally wrong, while simultaneously saying America is who and what it is in part because of George Washington. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like every president that we look at in history has something really complicated about them. But that's true about totally. me, too. That's true about yeah, all of us, right? That's exactly that right. something mm-hmm. complicated about us. How do we mm-hmm. balance that, Sharon? I think it's one of the things you're great at is teach us how do we balance, like, here's what's real about who they are, and here's how we honor what we can honor. Mm. You're absolutely right that all of us, every single one of us has aspects of our lives that we would prefer the internet not dissect on our behalf, right? (laughs) Like we would be like, I am glad there was not a cell phone when I was that age. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm not pretending that what we all did in college is the same as enslaving people. I'm not equating those things in any way. But I do think if we want to tell the truth, which I think is a is a valid common shared value and mm-hmm. goal, mm-hmm. that the the light of truth uh, is an important one to seek. Yeah. Right. The light of truth then demands that we look both at the contributions and at the negative aspects of somebody's life. Yeah. Uh, and that's fair to do. That's f- it's a fair way to judge our uh, historic figures. And I you know I like what one one uh, historian has to say about this because I ask this question to guests that study history all the time. How are we supposed to judge people who lived in the 1700s by today's standards? Yeah. And her one you know one of one guest's response was it's not our job to judge them, it's our job to learn from them. Wow. And uh, again, I don't mistake me by saying like, oh, we shouldn't judge enslavers. That's not that's not the larger point I'm trying to make. It's that um, there is something to be learned even yeah. from the negative actions of a, of a president. I think one of George Washington's greatest uh, achievements, he has many, but I think one of them was that he did not seek to surround himself with yes men. He did not. He did not create a cabinet full of people to do his bidding. 
And that is kind of what we think of, you know, presidents, that's who they should yeah. hire, right? That's like who people who believe like they do. Now, yeah, like not yeah, just Biden, totally. but I, in, in modern day, I think your cabinet's Absolutely. full of people who agree with you, right? <laughs> to- totally. Uh, and George Washington did the opposite. He hired a bunch of people who purposely disagreed with each other and in fact, wow. many cases disliked each other yeah. um, because of the idea that, you know, iron sharpens iron and he wants all of the good ideas on the table. Mm-hmm. And not just the ideas he already agrees with. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of his things that I think is worth considering is, you know, we we shy away from listening to people who have different uh, ideas and beliefs than we do because they feel uncomfortable, because we we find them morally wrong. And it's okay to, after listening to somebody's somebody else's beliefs, it's okay to still arrive at the conclusion that you disagree. Yeah. Uh, but we are intellectually matured by listening yes. to those ideas. Yes. It is it's not to our betterment yeah. to only surround ourselves with people who believe like we do. Someone chirped at me last week on the internet. You get it significantly more than I do, but the complaint was they were disappointed in somebody that I followed on Instagram. And I thought, mm-hmm. wait, I thought part of what we were supposed to do is listen to voices that we don't necessarily agree with so we can mm-hmm. learn and grow. And and I feel like what culture pushes us to do, or I won't say us, I'll say me, is Annie, get a have a fake Instagram where you actually follow who you want to mm-hmm. hear because people are watching who you follow. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, how do we as consumers, as me, who also may at times look at who other people follow, how do we balance that in our own minds of, I guess, how do we give permission to other people to learn? I know that's so tough, right? Because what if the person you're following, I'll just use, say, Kanye West as an example. What if you're like, well, I like him. I love his music. I mean, College Dropout was one of the best albums of (laughs) of that, my, you know, like, I love it. Uh, And then he takes like a hard curve and you're like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, And yet you're still, what if you're still following him and then you get called out on following somebody who's like really anti-Semitic now? So I I get that. I get the, your concern as a public figure of wanting to appear to follow people that are appropriate. Right. Right? You know, like appropriate people to follow. That's a legit concern. You don't, you're not, nobody wants to be like, well, my, uh, who I follow are Nazis. That's not, nobody wants that. You know what I mean? That's not, no. Right. But I think it is, I think it is okay to say to people, yeah, I follow people that I that I don't always agree with because agreement is not a prerequisite for learning. Yeah. Learning happens when I hear things that I don't already know yeah. or I don't already agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I continue to disagree with them, I can learn something from them. Even if all you're learning is how other people think, that's yes. still a valuable thing to yes. learn. When we look right? at the presidency, when we're watching that office and what it takes in the U.S. right now to get in that office, I mean, we are, it, we're just past midterms, so we are right at two years until we have yeah. a new president or Biden gets elected again. And yeah. and so when we're looking at the presidency on this, the day of presidents, when we're looking at the presidency, what are some things we should be paying attention to? Do we need to read every briefing that comes out or how do we? <laughs> what are we actually needing to be paying attention to on like a weekly basis coming out of the White House? No, I don't think it's your job to read every briefing. I think it's your job to be, you know, we all have our own jobs, Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we all have different things that we are equipped and called to do. And if if we all all, you know, 330 million Americans, it's absurd to think that we're all equipped and called to read White House. Briefings. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's absurd. Right. <laughs> uh, somebody needs to be good at like preschool teaching. Yes. yes. And somebody needs to be good at heart surgery. That's it. Surgeons. And, I need surgeons yeah. to stay focused. Yeah. I do right. not care how they uh, vote. <laughs> And I, you know, so I'm not saying put your head in the sand, ignore what's going on. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. But I'm uh, but I am absolving you of the responsibility for paying attention to literally every, uh, you know, paper that comes out of announcement that comes out of the White House, if that is not what you are equipped and called to be doing, right? And so I do think it's useful to find um, a handful of sources that are not all the 
same that help you better understand Mm -hmm. what is going on in the world. Just like if you have a serious heart condition, you would seek the advice and counsel of somebody who understands heart conditions. Yes. And that would they would help you make sense of your health condition. Yeah. Uh, it does not mean that you then would need to read every single issue of the Journal of the American Medical Association. So that is, I think, the beauty of human community. Yeah. is that we can all have different giftings. And some of us are here to help us learn about preschool teaching and our heart conditions and government and things that sound fun. And that is actually desirable yes. that not yes. all of us do the same thing. Yes. And I, I'm thinking about it as I'm hearing you, there is a line that I don't know of this is the amount that that it makes sense to learn and pay attention. And yeah. after that is expert level in which you go to mm-hmm. experts for. And so mm-hmm. I think you're giving me permission because I, as an Annie, I am nervous about the next election as an Annie F. Downs who has a public face. I am very yeah. nervous about what's going to yeah. happen between me and my friends and me and the people on the other side of the work I do. Totally. And that, I think, I mean, I hear that from literally almost everybody. I bet. There's I bet almost you do. nobody who is like, I am looking to 2024 with complete confidence and excitement. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's how, not how really anybody is no, feeling. No. Uh, so you're you're not alone in that. Yeah. But I I think it's important to you know I think it's also okay to give yourself a, a permission to understand more broadly what's happening in the world like we need to know there's a war in ukraine that you know we need to know about things like that we need to understand what's happening uh you know in our own communities etc but you know how there are just some issues that really tug at your heartstrings yeah and that might be child hunger that might be people cancer patients uh, it might be education whatever that is for you I believe that you are given those, given that, you know, tug on your heartstrings for a reason. Yeah. And that we, no human has the capacity to have an equal level of care and concern about literally every issue happening in the world. Right. And so all of us need to follow that unique calling, so to speak, of the things that really matter to you. Those things matter to you for a reason. Yeah. Our friend John Eldridge calls it benevolent detachment of the things that you Mm. aren't passionate about. You can care, Mm. but you also have Mm -hmm. to detach to some degree. That's right. Yesterday, Sharon, we got an alert about eight o'clock last night that the the condition of the air in Nashville was really bad. It was like Mm. red and all sorts of like the the atmosphere is not healthy. And Mm -hmm. everybody starts talking about it. And then about an hour later, the news says, oh, sorry, it was a glitch in the system. It was a glitch in the system. Everything's fine. (laughs) And I need you to know that all of us were like, yeah, right. Like, okay, (laughs) sure. You just are trying to cover up that something's going on. So even me about something so simple as the quality of the air, I'm not trusting the news sources anymore. Mm. I am looking Mm. to a Sharon McMahon or to, Mm. uh, you know, all sides to tell me what was the weather really okay in Nashville last night because the news (laughs) is trying to feel me. So how do we identify trusted sources when it comes to things like elections and China balloons and what's going Mm. on in Ukraine? There's so many varied beliefs about even what's going on in Ukraine. So how do we Mm -hmm. find the trusted sources that tell us whether the atmosphere is really safe or not? (laughs) Well, here's the thing is that information that is based in facts can be verified. Right. That's that's the thing. There's a difference. And we all know there's a difference between facts and opinions. But some news sources that will remain nameless are (laughs) very, very heavy on opinions. Yes. And uh, they don't even pretend to be news. Yeah. And they're you know, they're like, we're not news. We're entertainment. Yeah. So I think it's important to know, first of all, where what is the source of this information? How is this information being verified? And, you know, there's no infallible news source. There really is not because everything is run by humans. Right. But I would caution people against extreme skepticism. Mm. 
extreme skepticism where you uh, move into this fatalistic view of the world that everyone is a liar. Nobody can be trusted. Nobody has my best interests at heart. Mm. Everyone is trying to deceive me. That is a very dangerous way to view the world and a very dangerous way to interact with the world. Now, I'm not saying that I have no idea about Nashville air quality. I can't help you. Are I'm you not, sure, I'm not Sharon? Saying, because <laughs> it was, they switched on a dime. All of a sudden, the technology was busted. Come on, Sharon. Yeah. But you're right. I'm I didn't s- like that about me. I didn't like that my first thought when I heard that the machine was busted was, nah, it wasn't. I didn't like that. <laughs> I and and I'm not saying that nobody has ever uh, covered anything up. Nobody yeah. has ever lied about anything. I'm not. That's not the assertion that I'm making. But if the lens through which we view the world is that everyone is a liar, yeah. then that means that we, the way we interact with them, is not going to be the way that we are meant to be to be interacting with wow. our human brothers and sisters yes. right if if my automatic assumption is you're a liar everything that comes out of your mouth is a dupe and a fake and a cover up and this is all a conspiracy that is not how we are meant to be in human community with yeah, each other. And I think yeah. it's it's also not a fun way to live. No, no, because no. I just want to believe that the air is fine and that the machine was wrong. <laughs> but don't you know, everybody's like, I have had a headache today. I mean, of course, yeah. we all were like the weather, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Indeed. Okay, take a moment, get a picture of your imagination of someone who's been a positive influence in your life. Do you have that person in your brain? Great. Chances are that something unique about them and their experience matched up with a need that you had when you needed help. Like, I think about my college pastor and how he was such a gracious truth teller in a season when I needed someone to shoot straight with me and how life-changing that was for me. Well, how incredible would it be if you got to work with people whose incredible gifts and experience match up perfectly with the needs your team has? You and your company can find them the same way we found several of our amazing teammates. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend your valuable hours digging through multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all and do it fast, which you know I love with Indeed. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. I mean, you already have a full-time job, right? You can reclaim your time and find top talent fast with Indeed. Their suite of powerful hiring tools like assessments and virtual interviews allow you to find top talent fast. This is the part I love the most. With Indeed Instant Match, they do the hard work for you. You simply sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes fit your job description immediately after you post. Indeed knows that hiring needs to be cost and time effective when you're running your own business. So visit Indeed.com slash sounds fun to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I've got one more incredible partner to tell you about, Ritual. So do you know anyone who's a bit too perfectionistic for their own good? Maybe it's something you struggle with yourself. Well, the truth is perfection is an illusion. You know this. It's definitely evident when we're trying to do healthy things for our bodies, right? Ritual knows it's basically impossible to get all the nutrients you need from your diet 100% of the time. So they made a multivitamin that helps you focus on what's important, like filling key nutrient gaps to support foundational health. So they created a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 and older with high quality and traceable key ingredients and clean bioavailable forms. With nine key nutrients and two capsules per day, their unique beadlet and oil is even patented. Ritual's Essential for Women's 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula, which I think is important. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan free and formulated without GMOs. You know, my favorite part, they put this minty essence in every bottle to keep things fresh, which helps make taking your multis every day actually enjoyable. No icky flavor or aftertaste, which I am grateful for. I love that Ritual helps me close those nutrition gaps while also being conveniently delivered as a part of my subscription. Once it was set, I never had to think about it again. Instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. Great news. Ritual is offering my friends 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun to start a ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. And now back to our conversation with Sharon. That sounds fun. 
I mean, let's talk about you being at the State of the Union address, because one of the things I like that you said is someone asked you, did they split the people in the gallery based Mm -hmm. on Republican and Democrat like the like our leaders split on the floor? And you said, no, I don't actually think so, based Mm -mm. on who you sat around. So even in those moments, the people around you aren't all going to believe the same thing. And y'all are in the same room here in the same speech. Yeah, if it was shocking how nobody broke out into a fist fight, Annie. Yeah. So weird that we were able to sit next to each other. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> strange. Never heard of it. I haven't been able to figure out if we were seated by alphabetical order by the last name of our representative, uh, oh, which I think idea. might have been yeah. the case, or if we were just randomly assigned seats yeah. by the person in charge, yeah. who is not not your own individual representative. But there was not a like, okay, if you have a Democratic representative, you all sit over here and a Republican, you you all sit over there. There were definitely people sitting near me where their representative for sure was a Democrat and another was a Republican. So that was very, it was also very interesting to observe the behavior of Congress firsthand. Right? Yeah, because you could watch all of them. We could only watch the ones the TV was showing us. You could watch anybody. That's right. That's right. And um, it's very interesting to see them play off of each other, when they do, how they do, what the people who are not on camera are doing mm. yes we when you see them on tv you do get a nice close-up view of their face that perhaps you don't get when you're sitting you know in person in the gallery yeah. but you can survey the territory in yeah. a way that you cannot when you are there in person and one of the things that i don't i said this on my instagram too one of the things that i don't think came across when you were watching it there were absolutely moments of contention between president biden and uh, republicans who were challenging him on some of the things that he was saying and he pushed back like there was this uh you know back and forth uh you know thinking about things like social security so there was that contentiousness of it but what people i don't know if this came across or was not you know was overshadowed by that contentiousness people on both sides clapped for way more things than they challenged There was way more like, yes, okay, more money for teachers. Okay, we can agree with that. Um, You know, like the super low, lowest unemployment in 50 years, like we can all clap for that. We don't need to pretend that that's not a good thing. Right. Because we don't like the president or, you know, whatever. So we, I think that that is sometimes lost when you're watching it at home. That was very interesting to see. It was interesting to see too, how much uh, certain people feed off of each other where they you know are turning and whispering to each other uh, and then somebody will yell something almost oh, like they like got the idea like, from somebody else <gasps> yeah, yeah peer mm-hmm. pressuring each um, other mm-hmm. that's right um fascinating uh, you know or somebody will yell like they were talking about fentanyl and yeah. somebody yelled it's your fault oh wow you know to the president yeah <laughs> Like he was saying, we have too many fentanyl deaths, 70,000 fentanyl deaths or whatever the statistic was. And somebody yelled, it's your fault. And it was very interesting to see the reactions of the people sitting around that person. Most of the people sitting around them were like, shh. Wow. Most of the people were like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't do that. Don't yell the word communism right now. Right. Mm -mm." You know what I mean? Like that's not appropriate. Most people were shushing those people with the exception of a couple of times where the, you know, like a big chunk of them all wanted to say the same thing. Otherwise there was a lot of like, shh. Wow. Which I thought was really interesting. Like shut, shut it. Yeah. Cause I wonder if there's a majority that is quiet, that is more middle of the road. Like many of us who Mm -hmm. are, you know, the, the middle 80% of the world who disagrees with Mm -hmm. some. And so in that room, it has to represent the U S that the majority are in agreement and in disagreement. Mm -hmm. And then the extremes are the ones who yell. That's right. Yes. The, I mean, the over, of course, you know, that the Democrats are not going to heckle a democratic president, right? Right. That's a given, right? (laughs) That's a given and the, and vice versa. But I would say that the number of people who were actually like heckling was approximately seven. Yes, right. Right? right. It's like seven out of over 200 Republicans. Yeah. Most yeah. of them were clapping for accomplishments uh, yeah. or or sitting quietly if only the Democrats like that thing. But yeah. they were, you know, it was approximately seven people who get all of the negative attention. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they there's a strong incentive structure 
to like continue that negative behavior. They make a ton of money doing it. Yes. That's so, the problem. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they get on the TV when they do that. Mm-hmm, and then we know their mm-hmm. faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they give you a seating chart? Meaning, do they hand you like, here's who's sitting below you? Or do you, do you just seem Mm-mm. to, you, I mean, it's your job. You know everybody who's down there. But if I was sitting next to you, I'd have needed like a seat B is this person. Seat C <laughs> is this person. Or were you just Mm-mm. able to identify them? No, there's no seating chart that you're given. Um, in part because... You know, it, you're sitting in the House of Representatives, plus, but all of the senators are scrammed in there. Scrammed? Yeah. That's not a word. It's scrammed? A, it's a government so, word. Uh, it's a government <laughs> word. <laughs> Everyone is scrammed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the cabinet, plus all of the pages, plus the Joint Chiefs, plus the Supreme Court. Oh gosh, like they're right. all they're all scrammed in there. Yeah. Um, which is a new word we just came up with. Using it. And <laughs> So uh, you, it's kind of like sit where you can. Oh, wow. It's, uh, you know, like everyone knows where the dividing line is. And yeah. most people know like generally where they sit and, you know, they, they have an idea. Like my representative was like, yeah, I'm going to be sitting by uh, him tonight. You yeah. know, like they plan ahead. Like yeah. who are you sitting with? Yeah. But it it's kind of more like benches. Oh, and not okay. like chairs like F thirty two. Right, right, right. That's the what state I of the union. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, they just no. all slide in together like pews at church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's right. <laughs> Did you read or notice if the president was nervous? I didn't. I did not notice uh, that or read that he was nervous because I. Here's the thing: is they take all of your electronics yes, before everything. you go in there. Ever, ever. Could not believe that. It was but everyone on the floor gets to have theirs, just you guys yes. in the gallery don't. That's right. That's right. Terrible. It was truly painful to <laughs> to not be able to record any aspect of it. Yeah, your um, addiction showed when you got up halfway through uh-huh, and got your mm-hmm. phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine too, sure girl. did. Sure did. Um, I'm like, I am not sitting here for an hour and a half staring at the wall. <laughs> no, right. not doing that. I'll be back in 30 minutes. Um, and then I got yelled at for standing in the hallway. But but anyway, I was imagining before the speech started, what would he have to be doing back at the White House? Yeah. And it there's no way that you wouldn't be nervous knowing that, you know, uh, 75 million, 100 million people are yes. watching you, um, knowing that you're about to literally uh, speak to people who actively oppose you. That has to be nerve wracking. Yes. Knowing knowing that you have a speech impediment yeah. and that public speaking is can be a challenge for you. That has to be nerve wracking. Yeah. I can't imagine a scenario in which it would not be nerve wracking, right. knowing how high stakes it was. I think one of the things that I was a little surprised at was how much Biden pushed back against some of the things that people were yelling at him. Yeah, off script. Yeah, off script. And he just like went in. He just went in for it. And where he was like, great, we're not cutting Social Security. We're all in agree. Unanimity. Great. We got it. You know, like that was the off script aspects were demonstrated a a little bit that he felt that a little bit of confidence in what he was doing. Yeah. You know, that he could he could deviate from the script and recover. Yeah. I mean, part of it, me yeah. wonders, he's he's just a lifelong politician. Like, he's yeah, been totally. in that room his entire adult career. Yeah. So he's like, you yep. guys, you guys, you guys, stop. Cut it yeah. out, right? Yeah. Okay. One of the things you noted after the speech, after the State of the Union, you showed us a video on your Insta stories of the cars leaving with the president in it. And you said yeah. they accelerated around the corners. Oh, I don't, yeah. Why is that? I don't know why that is. The only, well, for, I don't know for sure, but they, here's the thing. They did not like, okay, well, here we go. Driving back to the White House. No, it, they tore out of there. Yeah. <laughs> they tore out of there. Uh, you know, like yeah. around the corners. Noteworthy. It was very notice, yeah. noticeable yeah. how much they accelerated around those corners. The only thing I can think of is that the being in a motorcade is a more vulnerable position for the president mm. than it is being in a building that is heavily, has tons of security. Yeah. So my, my hypothesis is we want him traveling in this motorcade for as little time as possible. Right. And also, this is a particularly vulnerable time Mm -hmm. because 
everyone knows where he is right now. Yeah, that's right. Everyone knows he's in that building. Everyone knows every member of Congress is in that building. And everyone knows he's leaving. They can watch it on TV, know when he's exiting, and know exactly where he's headed. So the vulnerability of um, trying to get the president from point A to point B safely just it led me to conclude that they wanted to to make that motorcade as fast as possible. Yeah. It's amazing that they are able to keep oh, that my secure God. and have everybody in the same oh. room. Were you ever nervous? Oh. No, I wasn't nervous. I don't think you could be there and be like there's no way that you felt it was unsecured. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're the like level <laughs> of security. Yeah. First of all, a huge fence is erected around the entire Capitol building. Oh, wow. And there's one entrance in and out, ah. unless you can access the tunnels underneath, which which members of Congress can. And so I walked through the tunnels with my member of Congress. But yeah. there's one entrance in and out, which is it has multiple layers of security. To get into the building, there's metal detectors and ID, etc. Then to get into the gallery, more metal detectors. When I say there were probably 50 members of the Secret Service and the U.S. Capitol Police on every, in every floor. That's not even an exaggeration. That is unbelievable. On literally How every amazing. corner, multiple on every corner. Yeah. There was, there was absolutely no messing around. There was one man sitting near me who was very enthusiastic about what Biden was saying. And he thought that almost like the president was making a touchdown approximately every 90 (laughs) seconds, right? Like he was that excited about it. Uh, And there is a lot of clapping during this, during the state of the union. There's a lot. And then sometimes where you stand up and you're like, you know, somebody's so-and-so's family is here and you stand up to clap for them, you know, things along those lines. Well, he was incredibly enthusiastic about everything. And he was he was like, yes, whoa. <laughs> and very quickly, security sternly said to him, oh, wow. you need to stop. Oh, wow. You need to stop. Like, they did not want anyone in the gallery making any kind of a scene or disruption or b- to be a distraction. Yeah. So, and he did. He knew that they were not messing around and yeah. they were going to kick they were going to kick him out if he did it again. Yep. So he did comply, but even overt enthusiasm, yep. it was viewed as a negative. Like yep. you keep it within these lines. Yeah. Keep it appropriate yeah. or you're done. Yes. I no am, no touchdown no, yeah, no touchdowns for no. President Biden no. this week. No. I have thought about this. I wonder where you where you have thought about this. If I get an invitation to the White House, with this president to come mm-hmm. to a prayer breakfast or to come to something. If I get an invitation from the next president to come, what if I don't fully endorse either? Or what if I don't fully endorse yeah. the one who, I mean, to, to me, totally. you don't have to fully endorse Biden to have said yes to go to the state of the union. That's so cool. So how That's do we, right. how do we balance that? I mean, for you, is it, if the white house invites me, I'm coming. Probably yeah. if they invite me under the right circumstances, if they mm. are, if it is, if it's for a thing that I think is worth attending. Yeah. You know, sure. Um, you know, I'm probably not interested in going to like a Halloween party yeah. or like, or do you know what I mean? Or like somebody's this is 50th where you, this is birthday. Where our, our paths depart because I'm like, part, a Halloween, Halloween party? party? I, I think that's adorable that the president stands at the front and passes out candy, Cher. We are going. You and I are going to that if I get invited. So it's more about the why than the person. Well, here, okay, so first of all, if somebody, if the president invites you to the White House, my feeling is that that is an incredible learning opportunity, even if you don't agree with everything the president has done or said. Yes. Also, the White House does not belong to the president. Mm. The White House belongs to the American people. Yes. Um, It is the people's house. Yes. And it will continue to belong to the American people, no matter who occupies it. Mm -hmm. And uh, just as the Congress belongs to the American people. The The United States government is of the people. Yeah. And regardless of if you voted for that president or regardless of if you voted for your representative that invites you to the State of the Union, they still represent you. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't believe in this. Like, he's not my president. Oh, that's just that's just not a fact. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, he is. Yeah. The facts yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not just a fact. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. He represents you. Even if you did not vote for him and the White House belongs to you, 
even if you did not vote for who lives in it currently. So again, it would depend on the right circumstances of like, what am I being invited to attend? Mm -hmm. But to me, there's a larger a larger issue uh, around democracy. Um, A democracy is a government of the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to to me, to attend those kind of official government functions are, uh, you know, in, in my view a way to see democracy in action. Yeah. Right? Like these are, this is our government. Yes. I mean, you saw a historical thing in January. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So I, there, you know, being a witness to history, I think is also always fascinating. Even if you don't love everything that happened, being a witness to history is something that I, you know, is meaningful to me. So I, that, I tend to view it through that lens that, that you know, even, even if my representative, I don't agree with everything he has voted for, which is true, I don't agree with everything my representative has voted for, he still represents me. Yes, yes. And this is not a campaign rally, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not like vote for Bob. Yeah, this, that's he, a whole he different has, thing to be invited yes, to. Yes, that's right. Yep. That's right. He has already been elected yep. and he already represents me. And it actually is his job to represent all of his constituents, not just the people who agree with him, not just the people who voted for him or donated money to his campaign. It's actually the job we as taxpayers are paying them to do, Mm -hmm. represent all of us. So that's the lens that I I view that through. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's helpful. Hi, friends. Just interrupted this conversation one last time to share about one of our amazing partners, ButcherBox. You are going to want to hear this, you guys. Okay. Your Go AFD is not one to back down from a challenge, but I'll be honest with you. I'm happy to let someone else solve this challenge of finding amazing deals on high-quality meat and seafood. ButcherBox saves the day with 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, pork that is raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. All of their meats are humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. With ButcherBox, you can enjoy a range of high-quality cuts, some that are hard to come by at the grocery store and at an amazing value. So if you're like my parents, Mr. and Miss F. Downs, who love to grill and entertain, or if you're like me and want to cook once a month and use the bounty of that meal prep for several days, ButcherBox has got you covered. Get just what you want delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping for the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. I love the variety of options. You can choose a curated or a customized box and change your plan whenever you want. ButcherBox offers exclusive member deals so you can save big on your favorite cuts and they have all kinds of great info available like recipe inspiration and guides and tips and hacks so that you can cook up mouth-watering meals whenever you want. ButcherBox is offering, my friends, one of their best deals yet. I'm so glad you stuck around for this. It's a 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole organic chicken for free, you guys. Plus an additional $20 off your first box. You sign up today at butcherbox.com TSF and use the code TSF to get 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole chicken for free in your first box plus $20 off. That's butcherbox.com TSF. And use the code TSF for this awesome deal. And now back to finish up our conversation with Sharon. We're recording this about five days before people are going to hear it. And in the current calendar, that's about five things shot down from the sky. Difference (laughs) from where we are right now. But can we talk for just a minute? What is going on in our skies as far as we know, Sharon McMahon? What Lake Huron right near you. I was like, this is Sharon's backyard. Sharon loves the Great Lakes. Yeah, she loves the lakes. Yeah. They're very cold. Yeah. I've learned that from her. <laughs> and now there is a yes. UFO in the bottom of Lake Huron. Yes, yes. And Lake Huron is my second favorite Great Lake. And I was like, not Lake Huron. <laughs> this didn't move it to top. This was <laughs> not Lake Huron. Say it ain't so. <laughs> the Atlantic is my second favorite ocean. <laughs> That's right. I mean, doesn't everybody rank the Great Lakes in order of their favorite? I do. So Lake Huron's my second favorite. I oh mean, so. <laughs> um, okay. What is going on? Great what question. I'd love on? to tell you. I mean, the chances are good that these are 
not alien life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's people have been asking me, are, are these aliens? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I did think it was interesting that the Pentagon refused to, they, they did not say absolutely not. They're not aliens. Right. Like they were like, we cannot talk about that. Right. <laughs> um. So that's, but, you know, but again, just based on, you know, based on this premise of like, if it walks like a duck yeah. and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Versus um, an alien. Chance, yeah, yeah, chances are good that it's not an alien, but a foreign adversary. Yeah. And China is the most likely explanation. Yeah. It really is. China is the country that has the, you know, the largest surveillance apparatus. Yeah. We already know that they, you know, have sent uh, balloons over the United States. And these are different than the one we shot down in South Carolina. Yeah. But that's the most likely explanation, although I can't say definitively that's 100% for sure what it is. They did make a point of saying that they... The payloads were not uh, dangerous to humans. So that, to me, uh, and people always ask, like, what's a payload? It's the cargo that a, mm-hmm. that a vehicle is carrying. Yeah. So it could be people or whatever it is. So sometimes the payload of an airplane is a weapon. And sometimes yeah. it's UPS packages, right? right. Um, and in the case of a balloon, the first balloon we shot down, the payload was surveillance equipment. Right. And so that is, that's the most likely explanation is surveillance equipment. And But these because these are metal... These are like metal cylinder right. type situations. Right. They're dangerous to aviation. Right. Because they you were know, flying, like, the last three were flying at a different height than the yes, balloon. Yes, different yeah. altitude. You don't want to, and if they're not communicating with air traffic control on the ground, you don't want to just suddenly, like, if you're, you're in a passenger jet, like, Can you you're, imagine? no. What <laughs> are you going <laughs> to, yeah, no, no. We're not, that, that legitimately could crash a passenger airplane. Yeah. Legitimately, yeah, if yeah. that got sucked into a jet's engines. Yes. Uh, I mean, I know it's too big. Blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't want to get DMs from all the pilots. Certainly. I'm just, Certainly. I'm hypothesizing yes. that it could damage a passenger jet. Yes, okay? you don't need pilot bros going into your DMs over this. I know. And we have a big pilot audience, so I need to. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, and I, I listen to, every morning I listen to two very different short news things. I listen to The Daily and I listen to The Daily Wire every morning because I want to hear both sides. And those feel uh-huh. like extreme. They both are Mm -hmm. very clear about where they stand. Both of them said this morning that one of the reasons we saw the last three is that the U.S. changed what they were looking for. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that may, for both, whenever they agree, I am shock and awe. I am shock and awe whenever those two shows agree. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. for them to say that, also, my follow-up question is, should we be afraid? Here's the thing is, I don't think it's a good thing that they're there, yeah. right? I don't think it's a good thing. But I do think the fact that the reason they were detected was because we changed the like the al- the software that yeah. was it was being used to de- w- exactly what we're trying to pick up. The fact that we did that and then we suddenly detected three of them in right. short, you know, or, or several of them in short order. <laughs> and all weekend. Annie, uh-huh. They have probably been there uh-huh. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. For a long There's time. There's a community of things floating above uh-huh. us. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, China already has low altitude surveillance satellites. I mean, they already have that- TikTok. Let's just call it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's that's also that. Also that. And by the way, I did when I was flying to the State of the Union, I sat next to somebody who has a top secret security clearance, works in government defense contracting, specifically uh-huh. in cybersecurity. Oh wow. And so we've spent the entire plane ride. Like I did not even get to watch any of my pre-downloaded <laughs> Bravo shows. You had okay? them all ready to go. We, yeah, jaws of no. sunset. Yeah. Real housewives. That's right. <laughs> Precisely. I did not get to watch any million dollar uh, listing none, on the way none. out there because we were talking about cybersecurity. Yeah. And he, TikTok used to be a client of his. Wow. So we talked about what, you know, like what the, the danger TikTok poses. And he said, this is, here. here's the thing about TikTok. This is what he told me, is right now, nobody's doing anything with any of the information. The information is actually uh, that they can can collect about you is not in and of itself a national security threat. Mm -hmm. You know, Annie likes videos about uh, baking muffins and she likes horses. It's not going to bring the country down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She likes horse horse videos. (laughs) Uh, Annie likes, you you know, know shoe shoe try-ons from Amazon. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like these are not national matters of national security. No, no. He said, the interesting thing though 
is that they are they collect this data and then they can create these big sort of demographic maps and they can begin to understand overall patterns within the United States. Like, for example, what is the actual overall percentage of Americans who hate Donald Trump based mm. on the number of videos that they negatively wow. interact with? Or the pro-Biden videos that they are watching. Or the people who actually really hate North Korea. Mm -hmm. Or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They can take the temperature of Americans in ways that no amount of like public polling data ever could. Because this is what you actually think. Yes. And not what you say to a stranger on the phone. That's right. Right? right. Yeah. So um, it's that I thought that was an interesting insight that it's not that they're going to be like, and now because we know Annie enjoys muffins, uh, we're going to fire a nuclear weapon at you. (laughs) That's right. That's You know what I mean? Like That's not the danger. Yeah. Uh, It is. It's learning about Americans in ways that the U.S. government doesn't even know about Americans. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's so so one of the questions I've been dying to ask you and then we will finish up. Do you know things you can't tell us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a close family member in the FBI. Oh, very good. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and they don't tell me things that they can't tell me. Yeah. You know, like they they take their job very, very seriously. Yeah. And would never, you know, disclose uh, classified information. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of contacts in inside the federal government. I am sure at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure people reach out and go, hey, I'm going to tell you something that you can't say it's for me. They totally do. Yeah. They totally yeah. do. They absolutely do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it is It is kind of surprising sometimes. Uh, you know, like, I, what is, it doesn't stop being surprising to me, like, who's actually watching? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. Who's actually watching my stories? Yeah. Uh, like, inside Congress. Yes. Who is, uh, you know, who inside the Department of Justice is, yeah. uh, you know, watching my stories? Wow. So, uh, and I'm not claiming to be some kind of, like, all-powerful puppet master not at all no. i'm just saying that i sometimes uh get some information from people that perhaps is not widely available to the yes. public yes yes and then mm-hmm. they trust you to hold on to it until it mm-hmm. goes public yes. yeah not not classified information I'm not accusing anyone of wrongdoing but i will say that there are just things that they uh you know they would not want attributed to them yes yes and yeah. you took no classified papers when you left Congress. <laughs> no, left them no, all there, but I weirdly. did. I did. I did speak to somebody who was in charge of a bunch of, like, in charge of the Senate classified information. Like, oh how, do, how, do, how do senators get access to classified information? Uh, and I'll tell you very briefly, and then I know we have to go. Basically, it is next to impossible for members of Congress to walk away with classified documents. Next Shocking. to impossible. Uh, the way that they're allowed to view them is inside a secure facility. They can only view them inside the secure facility unless they want to bring them back to their office. Uh-huh. But in order to bring them back to their office, first, security has to come do a complete sweep of their office to make sure there are no listening devices, to make wow. sure there are no hidden cameras, to make sure that their office has not been bugged in some way. I mean, like they have to bring in the specialized equipment before that person would be allowed to transport the documents to their office. Then Shocking. the person who is in charge of those documents, like the custodian of those classified documents, yes. remains with the documents until the senator would be done with them, and then they take repossession of them and bring them back to the secure facility. And they see the whole thing. Yes. There is no, like, Bob checked out 25 pages of top-secret documents and we don't know what happened. Yes. That's right. No, Congress cannot do that. Um, The president has much broader latitude to to do things like that. But members of Congress cannot. Wow. So I found that really interesting, like the great lengths that they go to, like when Congress, members of Congress enter the secure facility, they also have to leave all electronic devices, including Apple watches, et cetera, outside of the facility. So they cannot take any pictures. So they cannot, um, nobody, no third party can be accessing their electronics to try to see what's happening in that room. Even the notes that they take are then, you know, examined before they leave to make sure that there's nothing classified on the notes oh, that they took. Oh my gosh. 
It's very taken very, very, very seriously yes. from members of Congress. Yes. That is shocking. As with it as, should be. As it as should many be. Many of pieces of paper have found themselves across <laughs> the eastern half of our country. That's right. In the last decade, apparently. It is now I mean, I am I am shocked how hard it is yes. to do well, that's yes. good to know. It's good to know it's that they are just know. floating around. No. I did expect there to be a ball drop at the end of the (laughs) State of the Union with just like, take as many, grab as many as you can, and they're yours to take as a parting gift. That's right. That's right. Just put them in a box, put them somewhere in in your garage, lock them up. Yeah. Put them somewhere. That's where they belong. That's where they belong. That's where they belong. As long as they're locked up. Okay. Do you have any presidential fact you want to leave us with? Is there one thing you love about presidents that we need to know Mm, or about a particular president? And then we'll ask you what sounds fun. Okay. I think it's interesting to note that the reason we eat turkeys at Thanksgiving is because yes. of of United States presidents. I did um, not know that. that. That was not a that w- there was no like beginning in 1776 we started eating uh-huh. turkeys. You know what I mean? Wild turkeys are not they're not everywhere in the United States. They you can't you can't get them all the places. Sure. And there was sure. there's no there's no human DNA that says eat a turkey in in on a Thursday in November, right? You know, like people right, have to decide right, that. Right, right. Um, but the reason it became popular was because uh, turkey farmers began sending them to United States presidents, and it became uh, a big deal where there were like they would dress up a live turkey like in an outfit. <laughs> and literally in an outfit and build like a special cage for it so that it that had shock absorbers oh, so that it, as it gosh. flew on like the bouncy airplane it wouldn't feel too jostled wow. uh, and then there would be all kinds of pictures in the newspaper like oh this turkey has made its way to the white house <laughs> so we all know that calvin coolidge of course famously had raccoons as pets yes two raccoons as pets but the reason he had the had the raccoons as pets is because Somebody else was trying to interest the president in an alternative Thanksgiving Day meal uh-huh. and sent him a raccoon to eat. Oh, what if and we ate raccoons on Thanksgiving? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh. And the president's children were like, no, we're keeping this as a pet. And then they ended up getting another one to, as a friend for the pet. Oh, my gosh. How different. Mm-hmm. they are. Those are trashy animals. I cannot so imagine trashy. if we were eating raccoons. <laughs> Eating trash pandas. Bottom dweller. Yeah, mm-hmm. trash pandas. That's bottom dweller behavior. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope. gracious. There Listen, we go. You are a holiday to be with. So thank you for doing this today on <laughs> the you. President's Day. The last question we always ask because the show is called That Sounds Fun, Cher, and tell me what sounds fun to you. Mm. You know what sounds fun to me right now is sleeping in. <laughs> sounds really fun. Just a little more sleep. <laughs> Just sleeping in, like not being awakened at 548 in the morning every day by my internal alarm clock. And just oh, being your like, own what? body doing this to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like so every, every no morning. It. No matter what, I was oh. all my years of getting up super early as a teacher. Oh, listen, our teacher bodies. And that's why you and I can eat lunch in 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Is that's right. You only have that us. amount yes. of time. Yes. yes. That's it. That's it. I would love to just like sleep in and, and have somebody bring me like a cappuccino. Yeah. And just like read a book with no responsibilities. That sounds really fun to me. Yeah. Okay. Let's try to schedule mm-hmm. you one of those, but it's between you and your body technically. So <laughs> I, I can I know, only right? help so much. Any series <laughs> coming on the pod we should get ready for? The World War II women series has been fabulous. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Yes, we I, we have a new, uh, I have some interviews coming up that I think people are going to be really interested in, um, including somebody who is an underwater archaeologist, oh, Annie, fantastic. which is that's so fascinating to me. But we are hard at work on another documentary series. Good. I can't I can't tell you about it okay. yet, but it's coming out in a, in a, a month or two. Okay, very good. Sharon, yeah. thanks for making yeah. time to do this. I just love talking to you. It's such a treat. Mm, likewise, it's my pleasure. Thank you, friend. Oh, you guys, don't you love her? Okay, be sure you're subscribed and listening to Here's Where It Gets Interesting. One of my favorites was about Theodosia from Hamilton. Y'all got to go back and hear that one. And follow Sharon on social media if you aren't already. Tell her thank you for being on the show today. And if you enjoyed this episode or know someone that you think would enjoy it, be sure to share it. And don't forget to check the show notes for links to all of our amazing partners, tickets for the Here For You Tour, and the link to sign up for our AFD Week in Review newsletter. They are all there. And so we heard what sounds fun to Sharon, and now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening, just like you. 
All right, Kiaja, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Um, what sounds really fun to me is I am part of a, a large friend group of about 16 ladies, and yes. I would love to go on a beach trip with all of them and all of their families and all of their kids, and that would be the best time ever. Yeah, okay, what's your beach of choice? Are you, what, where, if you're dream picking and money's not an option, where are y'all going? Ooh, the Bahamas, maybe? Ooh, okay, I see you. <laughs> I have never been to the Bahamas, but I've heard it's awesome. I've never been either. So. Okay, we're going. We're taking all 16 of your friends and their family, and I'm just going to sneak in. Can I just sneak along? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great, great. <laughs> Very good. Oh, I love it so much. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I'll do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is at 2 o'clock today, I'm going to be sitting in the Gershwin Theater watching our very favorite Elphaba, Mary-Kate Morrissey, debut on Broadway. You guys, today is the day. Mary-Kate debuts on Broadway. I could cry just telling you about it. I cannot wait. So make sure you hop over to Instagram. I'll show you everything I can show you today from behind the scenes of Mary-Kate's Broadway debut. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday with the incomparable Beth Moore. Y'all are going to love this episode. We'll see you then.